We're in week four of our series on keys to effective prayer. Grab your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Genesis, the first, chap, first chapter. You might want to grab a pen or a highlighter because I'm going to be drawing some things to your attention. How many of you know it's okay to write in your Bible? I always say that this way. If you have a Bible you can't write in, get rid of that and get you another one, right? Because it's good to write in our Bibles. And so we're going to begin reading in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And this will be our text for our message here this morning. Begins this way in verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. You may want to write that, I mean, underline that, our image and our likeness. Let them have dominion. That's a great word to underline there as well. What are they going to have dominion over? Over the fish of the sea, all you fishermen. Come on, that's your verse. All you cowboys, there's, we're over the cattle too, right? Birds for you duck hunters. Any pheasant hunters in the house? Quail, anything, geese? You've got dominion over them, amen. We're gonna take up an offering now, right? It goes on to say, and we have dominion over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So both genders were created in the image of God. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. Also, to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given you every green herb for food. And so it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. I want to begin this morning by making sure that we have a clear understanding of who God is. Now we're talking about keys to an effective, to effective prayer, having a, a powerful prayer life. This morning, I specifically want to talk about the authority of a believer and how to pray with authority as a believer, as a follower of Christ. But I want to begin with drawing our attention, making sure that we have a clear understanding of who God is. God is the Almighty. He's the majestic one. He's the one who exists outside of time. He's the eternal one. He's both the beginning and the end. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the omniscient, omnipresent, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing, all-working God. That's the God we serve, we know, and we love. He's above. There's none like him. He exists in a category all of himself. Can I hear a big amen? Can we just thank him for who he is right here in this moment? Come on, just lift up the name of our father. That's who God is. I want to make sure we know who he is, but then I want to make sure that he under, we understand what he's done. Because nothing I'm going to say here today is to take away from who we know God to be. As I said, there's none like him. There's none even close. 
But then when we look at what he's done, we see that, that God in his sovereignty chose to create humanity. And it says specifically that we were created in his likeness and in his image. And because the world we exist in, we most often are in, we're, we're, we're in the most touch with our five senses. When we think that humanity is created in the image of God, we tend to think the word must say that God looks like Jody. That would be a sad day. <laughs> right? But that's what we tend to think, that this is, you know, our human image is a reflection of the image of God. I think that, that is probably, and you'll probably agree with me on this, that's the least way in which we reflect the image of God is our physical appearance. Come on, God's got to have more hair than me. I mean, it just got to, right? I think there's other attributes and characteristics that more closely identify with how we reflect the image of God. Man was created as a triune being. We have a body, we have a soul and a spirit. That is a reflection of a triune God. There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I think in those ways, we, we reflect his image rather than in our physical appearance. But I think there's one way, another way that we reflect his image that, that maybe we are not, we are not fully, don't have full understanding of. And it's the fact that, that we are created in the image of a powerful God. God created mankind in that same image. God has put potential for power on the inside of human beings. Here's, here's why I'm careful saying this. I'm not saying that we in our power as humankind could rise up and overtake God. It couldn't happen. It's that God invested the potential for power in humanity. He's the one who chose to do it. So he is, he's put in us a lot of potential. Now, why did he do that? He did that because he gave us an assignment. And his assignment was, he said to Adam and Eve, you are to have dominion on this earth. Dominion. Now, we've heard that, that word many times, but I don't know if we understand the weight of what that word truly means. Back to its Hebrew origins, some synonyms for dominion is, means to rule, to dominate, to tread down, and to subjugate. So he's like, I mean, these are heavy words, church. I mean, he's like, he's saying, hey, I've created you with this power. I put this potential in you. Now I want you to go grab this place and I want you to take it under your control. So he said, have dominion. He also told them to subdue. Now, what does subdue it mean? Well, it means to make it subservient, to dominate, even to bring it into bondage. Are you catching with me the weight of what he told humanity? He said, listen, you're created in my image. Now, I've created this planet for you. Now, I want you to go have dominion over this place. And then he said this to him. He said, not only do you have dominion and subdue it, I want you to fill this place multiply, be fruitful, and fill this place. Well, what are they going to fill it with? They're going to fill it with humans who are just like them, who have dominion and power and the ability to subdue. So God is launching humanity into this, this great responsibility on this planet, and he's delegating authority to them and dominion, and he's saying basically, this is your place, now you run it. And he put power on the inside of them. 
Now, shortly into the story, we know that a serpent showed up. Remember this guy? The serpent showed up. Now, let me ask you a question. Did Adam and Eve have dominion over this serpent? Well, because the serpent would fall into the category of something that creeps on the earth, the serpent would be a creep. That puts him under the authority of Adam and Eve. So the serpent could not overpower Adam and Eve. It can only do one thing. It could deceive them. The power of the serpent was deception. And so in his deception, he, he, he tricked Adam and Eve into disobeying God. When they disobeyed God, which was sin, it cut them off from the connection they have with God. Because listen, there's a holy God and sin separates mankind from a holy God. That's what, he, that's what it does. That's why we are, we are all born needing a savior because we're born with sin and sin separates us from a holy God. So man who had been created to rule and to have dominion, that dominion though was specifically tied to their connection with the God who gave them the authority and the potential to have dominion. And when the enemy deceived them, caused them to sin, it separated from them. They lost the connection they had with God. Therefore, they lost their dominion. Are you following me? This is what happened. And so there's the story of the Old Testament. All through the rest of the Old Testament, we see that God had delegated power and dominion to mankind, but mankind had relegated their power and dominion to the enemy, to Satan. Now that's a bad story. That's bad news. The great news is God sent his only son to redeem what man had lost. Thousands of years later, we find enter Jesus. Jesus, the Messiah, the promised one comes into the picture. And we know that Jesus came to redeem us. Now that's a beautiful churchy word. We probably sing songs about redemption and many of us have no idea what redemption means though. This is one of my favorite words in all of Christianity. Redeem means this. Please, everybody listen to me. You need to know this information. Redeemed means that there was something that was possessed by a person and they lost it. They had had it at one time and they lost it. To redeem means to purchase back that which had been lost. So Jesus came, he came to redeem us. What did we have at the very beginning? We had perfect connection with God. And because we had connection with God, we had authority and dominion on this planet. Sin caused us to lose that. But guess what Jesus did? He came and redeemed us. The sin that we committed he paid for, and by paying for our sins, he redeemed us. You and I are now in right standing with God. If we are a follower of Jesus and we have, if we have expressed our faith in the redemptive work of Christ, then we have been redeemed. We are in right standing with God. Guess what that means then? 
the authority that Adam and Eve lost, he redeemed for you and I. And so you and I can walk in the authority and dominion and the ability to subdue and to walk in power on this earth because it's been redeemed for us through the work of Jesus on the cross. Now, why am I saying this to you? Because this is a message on, on prayer. Here's what we have to understand, church, is that often when we pray, and I had somebody this week tell me about this. They, they said, you know, after last week's message, they said, I always struggled with prayer because I never saw myself as righteous. And we know that James says that the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much, but I never saw myself as righteous. And when we, don't, when we don't understand what's been given us, it causes us to pray in these weak fashions. It causes us to pray as if I somehow have to beg something out of God. And that maybe in his charity and maybe in his generosity, he'll flick a, a crumb off his table in my direction. And again, I'm not trying to puff us up or, or saying that in us we are some great thing that, that can strong arm God out of his blessings. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this, that the redemptive work of Jesus was so thorough that you and I are redeemed because he was cursed. I mean, all of that stuff was broken off of us and he has endued us with the same power that was in Adam and Eve is in you and I. The word says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of me. So in other words, we, we can't pray from this beggarly. And I was thinking, Lori hates these movies, but I'm, and I'm not a fan of sci-fi, but for some reason, the Planet of the Apes movies just get me. Like the new ones, not the old ones. Remember the old ones, guys? Those were pretty pitiful. But these new ones, man, that Caesar dude, he is something, right? We were watching, I think it was Rise of the Planet of the Apes the other night. Laurie was tolerating it, and I'm digging it, right? And I think there was some, there was some part of that movie where the, where the chimp, he lowers his head and raises his arm like hand like this. And I was like, this is what believers look like sometimes when we approach God. Now, should we be humble? Absolutely. I've got an equipped class coming up in the spring called The Father's Heart. We go into a lot of detail about this because humility is part of this. And I'll show you the balance, and that's a great equip class, especially for new believers. If you want some good foundations, that one's coming up. You can register for it right now if you go online. So, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to puff us up with pride, but I'm just saying the work of Jesus was so complete, we don't have to go before our Father just hoping that in his charity or in his generosity, he'll just give us a little something. The Bible says we can come boldly into the throne of our Father. Amen. So I want to talk to you about, about the authority that we believers possess and praying with authority. And so, yes, we lost it, but it's been redeemed for us. And whether you know it or not, or whether you're behaving in a way that reflects this truth, you and I have the same power to reign to walk in dominion that Adam and Eve did. That's the truth of where we are today. But it's true also that the same serpent that was in the garden deceiving Adam and Eve is the same serpent deceiving us today. And he, the, the serpent in the garden didn't have the ability to overpower Adam and Eve, but he sure could twist their thinking. 
He, he sure could cause them to doubt things. And he, he sure could talk them out of their own authority. And he's doing the same thing in us today if we're not careful. Maybe we've been taught that when we approach God, we just kind of slide up to him and, and try to beg of him or we have to pray in certain ways or kneel on rice or whatever it is to somehow garner his favor. It's not true, church. But the enemy would love to convince you of that. In fact, you know, the Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians, the sixth chapter in the 10th verse, I love this verse, but let's look at it because I believe this is relevant for where we are today. Ephesians 6 verse 10 says this. It says, finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Do you get the feel of that verse so far? Be strong, stand strong and understand that that we operate in the power of his might. It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Okay, let me tell you, let's focus on this word wiles. What are the wiles of the devil? Here's what it doesn't mean. This verse isn't saying, okay guys, stand strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And if you stand strong enough in a defensive posture, you may be able to, if you're, if you're strong enough with the armor of God on, to handle an onslaught of the devil, an offensive move of the enemy, you taking a defensive posture, embracing yourself really well, you may be able to handle an attack of the enemy. That's not what this is saying. What it's saying is this, stand strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God. Remember what that is? It's the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. It's the girdle of truth. It's the sword of the spirit. It's the shield of faith. It's the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace. He's saying, stand strong in that and, and, and clothe yourself in the armor of God and you'll be able to stand, stand against the wiles of the devil. What does the word wiles mean? It means craftiness. It means deception. It means his trickery. So it's not that the enemy's gonna come overpower us. Come on. The church, the promise of the church was that the gates of hell would not prevail against our offensive movement. And so what he's saying here is, is the, real, the real trick here is to not get deceived by the enemy, not let the enemy deceive you into thinking that somehow you are a victim of this planet and that we are a victim of our circumstances and we're just this poor pitiful worm that's just hoping that God will do something for us or show, hoping that God will show up in our time of need instead of standing up standing firm in our faith, standing on the word of God, using the word of God to defeat the devil and begin to pray as if we have authority. We're not beggars. We're not beggars. We're people with authority. I had a, a lady come to me after last week's message and, and um, nobody will ever come up to me after I tell all their business from the pulpit. That's, that's not what I do. So I'm not gonna, please know, I'm not gonna betray anybody's confidence. But I had somebody come up to me last week and, and it was a mother and, and there was a very serious situation going on with our daughter and she was, there was even some demonic oppression there and she's like, how do I, how do I pray, Jody? And, and as, she's, as she's talking to me about this, my heart's breaking because how many parents are in the room? 
How many parents in the room you've endured watching your kids go through pain or, or brokenness or dysfunction and it just breaks your heart as a parent? Would Just so she'll feel the support around us. Any, anybody else ever been there? I mean, we've been there, right? I know, and so my heart's breaking for this wife, for this mother, but everything in me, and I start just communicating to her, which, which I was so blessed because this, this girl had it, this mother had it, saying, you know what? God has put you as the spiritual authority over that house. God has anointed you to be her mother, right? I mean, you're, you're not just a, a victim in this circumstance. No, what you need to do is you need to stand up and you need to make the declaration that Joshua made that me and my house, we are gonna serve God. And I'm not gonna pray and beg and try to twist something out of God. No, I'm gonna stand up. My children are inheritance from God. Blessed are my children. My children are gonna know the truth and they're gonna walk in, start making declarations, start standing up with your authority. Listen, you're not trying to convince God of anything. What you're doing is you're telling the devil, you can't have my kids. My kids are marked for the kingdom of God. You can't have them. Greater is in the Z that is in them than him that's in the world. You see what I'm talking about? I'm talking about praying with faith. I'm talking about praying in authority. We're not taking God out of the equation. I think God in those moments is standing up going, that's my son. That's what I created you to do. That's the power I put on the inside of you. Stand in my might, stand in your strength. Come on, when you hear a bad report from the doctor, you can either put all your faith in that report or you can put your faith in the word of God that would give a different report and said, no, because of the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. I heal, I hear, I know, I understand what everything else is going on. But my faith is in this. Are you with me, church? Yeah. Talking about praying from a place of authority. Again, we didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. The sovereign God has given it to us, though. The enemy, though, he wants to deceive us. That same serpent, he's trying to, he's trying to deceive us into thinking, again, that we have no authority in this deal. So I want us as a church to begin to pray in a different way. But let me give you one caution. I just really felt led of the Lord to bring out this one thing. This is a deceptive tool that the enemy will use to, talk, to try to talk you out of the authority and the potential for power that God's put on the inside of you. And here it is. You ready? This is one of the enemy's greatest weapons. It's guilt and shame. Guilt and shame. How many of you have been there? I mean, if you've been in that moment where, like, I know I need to pray about this thing. I'm in a situation where I need God's, I need God to come through and I need, I need God to move in this situation. And so I'm going to pray about it. And we go to pray, right? And we begin that prayer. And then this voice behind us goes, I don't know why you're praying. I don't know why you think God would answer you. God knows what you said to that person in the other car in traffic the other day. He saw that gesture. Come on, am I, am I speaking truth or am I not? I mean, God, God saw that decision you made. God saw you saw you do that. Am I talking about to anybody besides myself in the room? We go, we go to pray, and, but we just somehow guilt and shame, listen to me, guilt, guilt and shame, that's the favorite, favorite tool of the enemy. 
Because he would love nothing more than just make you feel so shameful, so separated, so unworthy, so disconnected from God that you wouldn't ask for help or you wouldn't stand in the authority that God's given you. He would love that from you, church. And this is so hard to believe. God, it's so hard to believe because I get it. I'm a human too. Because how many of you say you are unworthy? I mean, in my own, in my own actions, I'm unworthy. So when the enemy says you're, you're guilty, I'm like, well, no, duh. Right? I mean, isn't that how, what we feel? But there's a truth that goes beyond what we see. There's a truth be, that goes beyond what our carnal mind can understand. And here's the truth. You ready? If you've been redeemed, you're redeemed. If you've been redeemed, your sin is taken care of. If, you're, if you've been redeemed, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Listen, you got to get this in your head. Please listen to me. You're either righteous or you're not. You got to understand this. I'm righteous or I'm not. I ask people all the time, because I'm kind of setting them up for this. I'm like, are you righteous? Well, kind of. It's like being kind of pregnant. You either are or you're not, right? And the truth is, apart from Jesus, everybody in here, we're sinners. The best of us in here, I mean, there's some really good people in this room, but apart from Jesus, they're still sinners. Am I speaking truth? All of us. And we all say amen to that. But here's, here's what, we, what shocks us sometimes is that if you've put your faith in Jesus, you're not a sinner anymore. You're not a sinner saved by grace. You're either a sinner or you're saved by grace. And when we put our faith in Jesus, we are as righteous as we're ever gonna be. We're not kind of righteous. We're not almost righteous. And we're not working on being righteous. We are righteous. Did we earn that righteousness? Absolutely not. Do we deserve that righteousness? Absolutely not. Ephesians is clear about that. It says it's not by any works that I could brag about. The only one who can be bragged on for Jody's righteousness is the one who hung on the cross in my place and has determined me righteous. He's the only one. I want to show you this verse and I want to help you with this. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible and I'm talking about keys to effective prayer. When you go to pray, when, you, when there's something you need, you need God's assistance with or you need to talk to the Lord about, when you go to him and you begin to pray and that enemy comes in and begins to whisper shame and guilt in your ears and causes you to pull back and not pray with authority, not pray as a son or a daughter of God, I wanna show you a verse. This is the verse that I use and it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Look at this passage with me. It says, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the sin offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through who? Through Christ. That's the verse. Here's how I want you to use it though. Watch, watch closely as I read. I'm gonna change a couple words. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the sin offering for me 
so that I could be made right with God through Christ. So when I go to pray and guilt and shame tries to creep in and cause me to, to take some beggarly position toward God, like I'm trying to ease, ooze something, grab something out of him in his charity. No, 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 no. We got to kick that serpent to the curb, stand up in our righteousness and declare that because Jesus, because Jesus went to the cross for me, he who knew no sin became sin so that Jody could become the righteousness of God in Christ. And the fervent, right, effectual prayer of a righteous man avails much. So Jody's prayer works because Jody is righteous. And when Jody stands up in the authority that's been given to him, then he can begin to change things in his world through the power of God that is invested in him because he is in right standing with God. I can begin to do things that go beyond my human skill set and change things in my life. Whew. Somebody tell me that was good preaching. I need somebody in here to say, well, <laughs> oh, come on. Where are those believers? Come on, we need some more of you. I need a, we're going to hand out some rags. I need a few of these going on up in the house, right? That's just good preaching. I don't say this to hype you up. I say this because I love you. And I want to, I want, we're here to make disciples. Everybody hear my heart as a pastor? What I'm saying is, we got to quit letting the devil kick us around and take our kids and take our stuff. We got to stand up knowing that God has put authority in us. There's, there's people here who you're believing for provision. Then you need to begin to pray for provision. But pray for it in this way. I thank you, God, that you are the God who meets my needs according to your riches and glory. Every provision I need according to your word, you've made available to me. You promised me in Matthew 6, 33, that I'll seek, if I'll seek first your, your kingdom and your righteousness, that you're gonna add everything I need unto me. Lord, you're, my provision, it's in you, and I don't care what the stock market's doing, I don't care what the economy's doing, my provision is found in the things of God. You need to stand up and begin to pray in that way. Some of you have lost kids out there, and come on, you need to stand up in the anointing of a father and a mother and start declare, making declarations that my kids are coming home. Can I tell you this? I am the product of prayers like that. Jody LaFleur is the product of prayers like that because I was that kid. And there's somebody in this room, some people in this room who could remember. And they're going to go, well, I was that kid, right? And I see some faces back there who know. But I had a praying mom and dad. And they weren't praying these old weak prayers. Oh, Lord. I'd come home and there was no, no joke. I remember coming home. I've told somebody this before, but turn on the light in the hall, walking toward my room, noticed that the, the trim around my bedroom door was glistening with oil. They had anointed my bedroom doors with oils. You go to lay your head down on the pillow and what, what? <laughs> anointing oil on my pillow and That was a mom and dad standing in authority, understanding that, that the, the devil wasn't going to have their kids. And you know, there's some, there's some marriages in here 
who you just need to stand up and say, the devil's not having my marriage. Devil, and, and my spouse is not the devil. <laughs> right? But the enemy, the enemy's not having my, man, somebody. Somebody's manifesting over here on this side. Hey, just side note, how many of you, you y'all thought she was singing in tongues right here when she started singing in Spanish, right? Wasn't that beautiful? Laura, thank you for leading us in Spanish. Wasn't that beautiful, man? I love that so much. Some of y'all were waiting for the interpretation, though. We were like, oh. All right. So we've gotten excited and we've laughed. But um, here's how I want to do. I, I want us to close by praying and, and I hope what's happened on the inside of us and will continue to happen as we go home and in our own personal walk and, and study in the word of God, we find that God has invested power in us. And we as believers, if we're gonna, if we're gonna be effective in prayer, then we need to learn to pray from a position of authority, not as a beggar. And I believe there's people in here today who need things to change in your world. And maybe the first thing that needs to be changed is your approach to how you pray. So can I pray for you in that way, that God would do something in us, that God would begin to reveal the power that he's put on the inside of us. Would you stand with me, please?